everyone. Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kirk Klingerman, your host, and this is episode one of season four. And this is late in the season, to be honest. It's been a while since we've done these, but we are kicking off a new series today, which is entitled Perfect Faith, His Faith, Not Ours. And this is based upon the book, Perfect Faith. And this is going to be a podcast version of the audiobook, if you will. And what that means simply is that instead of just straight reading, there may be times that I may interject some things that are not written in the book, or if I felt feel led, I may actually reiterate something, read it over, uh, and so on. Um, as we get going, there's nine chapters in this book, uh, which includes introduction, and which we, in this particular episode, are going to do the introduction and chapter one both. Um, but before we get to that, just for you that are maybe new to the podcast, maybe this is your first time tuning in, feel free to check out our website, which is perfectfaith.org, which tells a whole lot more about us. And it also provides some tools such as the podcast like this one, along with some weekly blogs and some videos. And of course, we are available for speaking engagements if you decide you want to reach out and maybe go down that avenue. Um, and then, of course, I'm going to put this out front. Be sure to subscribe and maybe share this with some friends if you find these are of value. So if there's something that you find that help you, it's going to help them. And one other thing, too, before we get going, I'll try not to get too long-winded on the introduction. That is simply on the comments below where you have that space. Feel free to ask questions or maybe interject some things or maybe there's something the Lord is shown you about what it is we're talking about, share with us. I mean, we want to be community. In other words, this is kind of a thing where we learn from each other. We're going to grow together in this podcast, which is the idea. And of course, besides teachings and such as book readings as this particular one goes, um, we will be doing some interviews. And if you look at previous podcasts, there are some in there, but we do plan to do more coming up. But one other thing too, with the comments, if you feel like you have a suggestion or maybe a topic or something that you really want us to touch on, go ahead and let us know. Because again, we want to serve you and we want to grow together. So with having said all that now, let's dive in to perfect faith, his faith, not ours. Introduction. Habakkuk 2.4 states, the just shall live by his faith, and is quoted in Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. It is the foundational principle for the believer, yet it is a principle with which so many struggle as they seek to follow Jesus. For some, it's become some sort of mind game that they feel they keep losing. For others, there's that ever-nagging question, do I have enough faith? Over the years, faith formulas have come and gone with very little success in the Christian community as a whole. Could it be that faith has been made more complicated than the Lord intended? The purpose of this book is to clarify what faith is, how it operates, its purpose, and to point us to the faith of the Son of God. We will also cover the concept of deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, and how it is a major key to walking by faith. Hopefully, 
by the end of this book, faith will actually be much less complicated than it has been made out to be, and we will find faith stirring within us as we embark on a new adventure. And oh yes, the life of faith truly is an adventure of a lifetime. Ultimately, the purpose of this book is to help lead us to intimacy with the Lord. And I will interject one thing. One thing that my wife and I have said back and forth from time to time is simply that we have never been bored. We flat have not been bored when we're following the Lord. Now, moving along. There are a number of great books which help us understand the Bible and the things of God, but word of caution. We cannot let books replace Holy Spirit as our instructor. The primary book to be read is the Bible as Holy Spirit leads. In reference to the Holy Spirit, at times the word the is omitted in order to emphasize our relationship with Him. That being said, let Him lead you to which books to read. It may be that you're not to read, or in this case listen, to any books other than the Bible for a season. When reading books, it's important to compare them with the Word, especially if we get a check in the Spirit. Even if particular authors are renowned and highly respected, we cannot be afraid to compare their work with the Word of God. There is a contrad- if there's sorry if there's a contradiction, credentials do not override what the Bible says. We should always study on the side of faith. That is to say, we study to see if a premise is so, not to see if it is true or false. Our goal is to search for truth, not error. There are times when this book will repeat certain subjects. One reason is to help us to remember principles. Another reason is to help us bring more clarity to the subject when it is revisited. Sometimes principles need to be expressed from a different angle before the light comes on. The repetition is mindful. Since this book is based on faith and hearing, perhaps ask the Lord if you're supposed to read it or listen to it before proceeding any further. He may have you read it now or listen to it now, or he may have you read it or listen to it at another time because it's to be read in the proper season of your life. He may never have you read it or listen to it. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, do it. In all, let the perfect will of God be done. And that concludes the introduction. All right, moving into chapter one, intimacy with God. We are all created to have an eternal relationship with God. Inside each and every one of us is a void that only He can fill. It is the only one many have tried to fill with other things, but to no avail. Some have turned to relationships, sports, scholastic achievements, money, fame, power, alcohol, drugs, and almost everything imaginable under the sun. Still, the void is there. They may have experienced temporary fixes, But they are only temporary. The void returns. You may be reading this book because you're tempted to be spiritual and you want to be a person of faith. You're still trying to fill the void. Our relationship with God is not automatic. We have to make a conscious decision to enter into it. To have a true spiritual life filled with faith, you must begin with that relationship first. You may be asking, How do I do that? 
perhaps begin by repeating this prayer. And, you know, I'm just going to interject right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read this. And if this is your first time, or maybe you've been, as the phrase goes, backslidden, for lack of better words, where you just feel like you've been distant from God and you just want to recommit your life to Him, here's a great time to do that. So as I read this, you know, maybe make this your prayer, just a connection point. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's at least a starting point. So here we go. Father, I'm a sinner. I turn away from my sins and I turn to you. Please forgive me and cleanse me of my sins. Jesus, please be my Savior and Lord. Live inside me. I give my life to you. Father, with thanksgiving, I receive your forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and meant it, let me welcome you into the kingdom of God. This is only the start of a new life. You've just begun. The Lord has so much more for you. Let me encourage you to find a good Bible-believing church where the Word of God is taught and preached without compromise. You need to be discipled. Any questions you may have may be answered in this book. Nevertheless, let me encourage you to find someone who is mature and well-versed in the Bible who can help you find answers. Spend time with the Father in prayer and be sure to spend time in the Bible. The Lord deeply desires to be intimate with you. He longs to be very personal. Romans 8 verse 15 says, You have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba means Daddy. It, which is a term of endearment or intimacy, whereas father is a title of respect. Daddy says hug and emphasizes a childlike trust. He wants to take us beyond some mechanical prayer life, which can be one-sided on our part. He wants to be able to speak with us in true conversation, back and forth. Intimacy is a theme that is interwoven throughout this book because it is vital to living by faith. The purpose of faith is the salvation of our souls, but the purpose of the salvation of our souls is intimacy with Him. Does God really love me? Many have struggled with the idea that God loves them. Perhaps you are one of them. Here is a simple question. Do you love God? If you do, it is real proof He does love you. Unless God loved you first, you simply could not love Him. As stated in 1 John 4, verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. If He did not love you, He would not have revealed Himself to you, and if you loved Him first, He would not be God. The love of God plays a vital role in our walk of faith because it involves trust. If we don't believe God loves us, then we won't believe He has our best interest at heart. Furthermore, we would tend to believe His promises are for everyone else and not for us. If someone were to follow that line of reasoning, eternity would become a very scary concept. After all, how could we trust God with our eternity if we do not trust Him to begin with? Question. What is the opposite of fear? Whenever I've asked that question, the usual answer is faith. Though it is a good answer, the best answer is mature love. 1 John 4 verse 18 says, 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect love could also be rendered as mature love. It is complete and does not lack trust. It is secure and gives us boldness of confidence with God. When we know someone loves us, we tend to feel more secure in that relationship. Turning the page. It gives us boldness with that person. Therefore, immature love lends itself to insecurity, distrust, and unbelief. If you struggle with fear and mistrust, ask God to reveal his love to you. Should you feel fearful, ask for more courage and ask for more love. Before I go any further, I am going to interject this. God absolutely loves you. Again, if you love him, it's because he loved you first. And believe it or not, because he loves you, this podcast and this book from which I'm reading is actually there to show you his love. I don't mean that in an arrogant way by any means. It's just a way of showing you that he will express that love to others through other people just so you can be assured of that love. So here you go. God absolutely does love you. So be secure. Absolutely be secure in the relationship. Moving along now. 1 John 4 verse 16 says, We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Realize that his very essence is love. The Father wants you to know and believe he loves you. He wants you to trust him with a childlike trust. When our boys, David, Joshua, and Judd, were young children, they had no problem jumping into my arms from the top of their bunk beds or from a set of stairs. In fact, they were quite bold. At times, they would wildly jump even before I had a chance to get ready. Often, I had to move rather quickly to catch them. They knew that Daddy loved them, and he wasn't going to let them fall to the floor. Daddy, that is to say, our Heavenly Father, Abba, won't let us fall when we jump into his arms either. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. One major difference between God and natural man is he always is ready to catch us because he is never caught off guard. He's ready to catch you, so go ahead and jump. Jump. Try this one on for size, if you don't already. The next time you wake up for the day, start off the morning by saying, Good morning, Daddy. I love you. It may go against the grain at first, especially if you are just getting used to the idea of God being your father. Remember, it's not a title of disrespect. On the contrary, it's a title that is intended to bless. He is by all means God, and we do bow at his feet in reference. But he is also Abba, Father. Remember, Abba means Daddy, which gives us biblical precedence as his children to say it to our Heavenly Father. If you prefer, use Papa or Dad. The point is, get intimate. Then take it further. Wait for him to answer you. 
Allow Holy Spirit to guide you in the way you address God. Let me interject something here, right? You know, when our boys were growing up, I never expected them to say, hey, Mr. Klingerman, right, or sir. They called me dad. I mean, that title just flat blessed me. It never went any other way but that. So think of that in terms of Abba. Think in terms of that of Daddy, Papa, our Father. He loves you. He wants that intimacy. All right, moving along. Another key to intimacy with God is not comparing Him to anyone or anything. In Isaiah 46, verse 5, the question is posed. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? It's a rhetorical question that is answered in verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. God is in a class of his own. Indeed, he is beyond human classification. Nevertheless, there is a tendency for some to compare him to people, especially fathers. The way some people view their earthly fathers is the way they tend to view God. If they view their fathers as a strict disciplinarian, they are prone to view God in the same light. If they view them as abusive, they are inclined to view Him in like manner. If they see their earthly fathers as loving and kind, likewise God is seen as such. In a similar vein, equating world events with God's character is another intimacy stopper. An often posed question is, how can a loving God allow such horrible circumstances to exist? The answer to that question won't be addressed here. Nonetheless, they can be found in the Bible. Do know, however, much of what we see or what is seen in the world today is a reflection of sinful, fallen man, not God's character. Questioning God and his character only leads to unbelief, distrust, and alienation. The question is, does your view line up with the Word of God? Take the time to study what the Bible says concerning who God is and what is, na true nat what is His true nature. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you by Holy Spirit so you may see Him in His true light. Later in chapter 8, we will go into greater detail on those areas that hinder our intimacy with God. Some tools will be provided to help in the healing of old wounds and deliverance of lust that have stopped or hindered that intimacy. Another area of importance of intimacy is not trying to recapture past experiences. As great as any past experience may have been with God, our goal should not be to duplicate it nor gain some greater experience. Our goal should be to gain more of Him. Draw near to God and enter into deep fellowship with Him. When we seek past experiences or compare them to the present, turn in the page, we put God in a box. We limit anything new or fresh and become stale and religious. Secondly, if, we, if experiences fail to match our expectations, we can become disappointed even with God. When that happens, intimacy begins to diminish Drawing on negative past experiences also impedes intimacy with the Father. Our expectancy lowers when we focus on events that don't unfold the way we had hoped. Let's say, for example, while 
Seeking the Lord, I was expecting to hear his voice, and all I heard were my own thoughts. After trying a few more times with the same results, I become discouraged and stopped expecting to hear him. It might even lead me to believe God only speaks to other people, which is assuredly untrue. Basing what will happen on what has happened is not always the best approach. A change of tactics might be in order in this particular case, such as studying the Word of God before praying because it often quiets your mind enough to hear Him. Remember the exhortation, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth onto the things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me interject this. God is a respecter of none, which simply means that if he speaks to one person, he's going to speak to another. He's not going to exclude you if you it's just a matter of, you know, for some it's just a matter of getting used to the idea that he actually speaks to his people today. He actually does. Moving along. Preferences. I've often heard different people say that they can't hear God. Part of the solution is spending time with Him. If one wants to hear Him, one has to be available to listen. It's interesting to hear people say they don't have time to pray. In reality, their priorities are just out of place. In some cases, it is as simple as shutting off the TV or smartphone. Whatever comes between them and God is an idol. Above all, God should be first, and everything should be scheduled around Him, not the other way around. Please understand the following has nothing to do with legalism. Religious do's and don'ts have little to do with true holiness. Having said that, let's get meddlesome, shall we? What do you prefer, the things of God or the things of the world? How important is your relationship with the Lord? How far will you go to protect it? Sometimes we need to ask, what am I feeding on? What do I fill my mind with? Do I feed the spirit or do I feed the flesh? Are the movies and TV shows I enjoy watching conducive to watching, excuse me, conducive to walking in the spirit or do they tend to carnality? What about the music I listen to, the video games I play, the books and the magazines I read, or the websites I visit? Do they center on godly living, or do they take me to areas that I have no business being in? It's strange to read the Bible, go to church, only to input things into the brain that encourage ungodly living. It's no wonder some wrestle with being double-minded. In Philippians, we are exhorted to think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and things worthy of praise. In other words... It is important to be thinking on the things of God, not focusing on the things of the world. The more we focus on worldly things, the more we reinforce old mindsets, which are contrary to God. Likewise, when we take in the things of God, we reinforce the things of the Spirit. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A renewing process needs to take place, which means a rewiring of the way we think, if we're going to be open to the things of God. The word transformed 
means a change of place or condition. It's an inward change that manifests outwardly as a result. The word renewing means a renovation or making new. Another place it is found is Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, where it says, According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Here we find a cleansing that takes place as the result of the new birth and a making new or renewing as the result of Holy Spirit working in us. There is a continuous process of renewing in the life of the believer as the result of his indwelling, which is God's part of the process. Meanwhile, the passage in Romans points to a response on the part of the believer. Even though Jesus Christ lives in us through Holy Spirit, he never forces himself upon us. We can either submit to the process or reject it. Based on the grammatical context of Romans 12, verse 2, which is passive tense, the renewing of the mind is an ongoing process. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The more we submit to Holy Spirit, spend time with Him, and read the Bible, the more our way of thinking changes to fit His. We begin to view things from his perspective instead of that of our old nature. This is also known as sanctification. In the process, we become more able to receive his love and enter into deep intimacy with him. Neediness. Intimacy requires us to put away a needy mentality. We need to understand that as born-again believers, our citizenship is now in heaven. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We don't have to come to God with a beggar mentality that says, Please, sir, can I have some more? That is not the kind of relationship He wants with us. An intimate relationship is not merely coming to God to either meet our needs, bail us out of a personal crisis, or gain direction. In truth, that is nothing more than a business relationship. That is not to say we shouldn't go to the Lord in the time of need or seek His direction. Our relationship, however, is to be much more than that. Let's see if we can gain some perspective. Be careful for nothing, or don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. So, go ahead and let your requests be made known to Him, but in the process, let them go. Thank Him and then release your cares so you can enjoy His presence. It's, it is more than trusting God to help us navigate through circumstances and supplying needs. It is about being unhindered in our relationship with Him. Face it, when we are at peace, it is much easier to enjoy the presence of God, and yet, our peace requires His presence. To be sure, He is ever-present with us, which makes it imperative for us to become more aware of it. Embrace His presence and experience peace at a far greater level. 
One more thing about neediness. Those who struggle with it generally struggle with self-love. If you don't love yourself the way God loves you, you may constantly look for affirmation, which poses another set of problems, which you will shortly see. Conditions. Stop looking for signs that God loves you. Quit putting him on trial or anyone else for that matter. Don't wait to see if the Lord will deliver or supply some need before you trust him. He is free to deliver and supply our needs when we trust him in all things. The latter is faith-based, the former is unbelief. With faith, our relationship with him is free to develop. If we are constantly looking at God with suspicion, we will never draw close to him. We have to make sure we're not putting conditions on our love. Generally, when a person puts someone on trial, it's a setup. The guilty verdict has already been reached before the trial begins. If you happen to be one who puts people on trial, including God, you probably have a wound that needs to be healed. There has to be a willingness to be healed of the wound and a readiness to release it. Wounds are also intimacy stoppers and they need to be dealt with if your relationship with God is to develop. God has always has already given us all of us the sign he loves us, Jesus Christ. What more do we need? Validation. Validation is an area that will be covered in more detail in chapter 8. However, our primary source of validation should be our Lord, not people. When we seek affirmation from others instead of God, in essence, we make people our gods. When we seek man's validation in addition to God's, we're saying that his validation is not good enough. One of the hidden dangers in seeking recognition from man rather than God is we become more concerned about what man has to say than what he has to say. When we become men-pleasers, our motives behind what we do become suspect in terms of purity. When we are reliant on people for validation or self-esteem, we make ourselves subject to their opinions, which may contradict the Word of God. It opens us up to the traditions of men versus the doctrine of Christ. Seeking validation from man lends itself to the fear of man as opposed to the fear of the Lord. Jesus is very straightforward about this issue. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes only from God? The ability to believe is affected when we seek to be affirmed or honored by man. When we rely on others to legitimize our faith, our faith becomes unstable. How many times have we allowed ourselves to be talked out of believing something that was from God? After all, the oldest trick in the book is, did God really say? Relying on people to validate our faith is like asking people permission to walk by faith. It doesn't work, even if one of the people we ask is the greatest of all encouragers. We are still reliant on man, not God. If we become dependent on someone for support, we will not feel comfortable about our faith until they are. Conversely, we can find ourselves finding more reasons to not trust 
by basing our faith on the opinions of others. This includes family members. What would have happened if Jesus asked his brothers and sisters if he thought he was the Messiah and their opinions mattered to him? What if Noah went about asking everyone if they thought it was going to rain or if it would be a good idea to build an ark? The question is, what did God say? Do we need people to tell us it's okay to be intimate with God? Do we need their permission to believe that we may have such a relationship? Do we have to ask others if they believe someone can hear from the, hear the voice of God before we will sit quietly before Him and listen? When we allow God to affirm us, self-esteem issues dissipate and intimacy increases. Undivided. At some point in our walk with God, we have to come to a decision about being undivided. Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. There is no middle ground. All means all. Our entire being ought to be surrendered to Him. When every area of our life is submitted completely, our intimacy with Him will grow and mature. When we hold on to anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God, intimacy will be impeded. Again, sometimes the tough questions need to be asked if we are to move forward with the Lord. Ask your loving Father to examine your heart to see if you're holding on to anything that is hindering your relationship with Him. Are you holding on to unforgiveness? Are there any pet sins you love to play with while claiming to struggle with them? What about pet hurts? You know, wounds you're holding on to so others will bleed with you when you tell your story. What about the silent wheel of iron that looks humble, but underneath the surface it demands to have its own way? Are there any material possessions holding you captive? Do you have the fear of God, or do you live in fear of man? Is there anyone or anything that comes before God? It is critical to open... Excuse me. It is critical to be open as we ask the Lord to reveal anything that hinders our relationship with Him. Once revealed, you will have to make the decision to let go or continue to maintain possession of it, whatever it is. Just know you cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It doesn't work. An undivided heart knows that God is all we need. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is my salvation. Salvation means deliverance. Furthermore, it means aid, victory, and prosperity. In other words, when God declares He is our salvation, He's letting us know that He is our all-sufficiency. Everything needed in life is found in Him, for He is the source of life. With that knowledge comes trust and fearlessness. As we move into intimacy, He becomes our song that we sing. So sing unto Him with a new song, with an undivided heart. Sing with all that's within you. And that concludes chapter 1, A Perfect Faith, His Faith, Not Ours. And by the way, if you want to get a copy of this book, go on to perfectfaith.org and the link to the book will be right there on, on the landing page.
Um, and again, feel free to share this podcast with other people. Uh, subscribe to it if you want to uh, have it delivered, uh, delivered directly to you and so on. So, with all that, let's close with prayer if we could. Father, I just give you praise and glory. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faith being active in us. I pray for my brothers and my sisters that are listening to this. I ask that you bless them abundantly above all they could think or ask. Thank you for prospering the works of their hands. Thank you for giving them the wisdom and the clarity that they need right now. I just thank you once again for them. Bless them, bless them, bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed, my friend. Until next time, we'll see you later.